0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. I just titled the message tonight Obtaining and Maintaining Freedom. We've been doing a series on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to interrupt that tonight because of the holiday tomorrow and our focus is on liberty and the uh, freedoms that we enjoy in our country. And we thank God for, for those. Aren't you glad to be born in America? Aren't you glad for the freedoms that you have? And we don't have to encounter all the persecution that many others do out there in the world because we're living in this land of the free and home of the brave. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. In John's gospel, chapter 8 and verse 36, this is Jesus speaking really from 31 to 36. He's talking about freedom. And he's talking about if you continue in my word and my disciples, indeed, you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And of course, they said, we're not in bondage to any man. You know, the Jews said, we're, our father is Abraham and so on and so forth. So forth. And John 8, 36, here's what he said. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Who has the power to make us free? Only the Son, only Jesus our Lord has the power to make us free. Now, tomorrow, I know that we're going to be celebrating our national freedom, and rightfully so. I mean, we thank God for the people that sacrificed their lives to give us freedom. And we know that there will be parades, and we know there's going to be fireworks, there's going to be family gatherings and all that, and just getting together and rejoicing. But sometimes you often wonder, do we take the time to really think about and remember those who laid down their lives? Because you see, freedom comes with a cost. There's a price to be paid for freedom. And people were willing to give their lives, pay the ultimate sacrifice, lay down their lives so that we can not only enjoy the freedom that we have, but continue to maintain it. Because you see, there's also others today, right now, out there defending our freedoms, protecting our liberties and also our veterans we will always continue to honor them for their sacrifice and their willingness to serve our country so if you're here as a veteran tonight would you stand up tonight any veteran just stand up we're not going to make you do anything but stand up just for a moment let's thank the Lord for their lives praise God we thank the Lord for every one of you amen and so we will continue to honor our veterans And their willingness to lay down their lives for our freedoms. But how many of you know that Jesus wasn't talking about national or political freedom? He was talking about freedom from Satan. Freedom from sin. And ultimately freedom from self as well. Amen. Think about it being made free from yourself. Aren't you glad you don't have to live by who you are but by who he is? Amen. And so he's talking about a greater freedom that only he can provide. There's no one else that can provide this kind of freedom. Abraham couldn't do it, and they said, we're appealing to Abraham. Our father is Abraham, and because of Abraham, they thought they were free. We've never been in bondage to any man, and I thought, didn't they read? Don't they understand their own history? They were in slavery all the time, all the time where they're enslaved, and whether it's Egypt or Babylon, they were enslaved, and they weren't bound by anyone. Well, they were. They didn't realize it. Jesus was not talking about political freedom. He's talking about spiritual freedom. And thank God who the son makes free is free indeed. Take a moment with me to thank him right now for the freedom he's given us from Satan, from sin and his dominion, sickness and disease, mental anguish and torment. Thank you. Even freedom from self. Thank you, Lord. We thank you so much. Hallelujah. So to obtain the freedom, we get it by believing in him and making him Lord and Savior of our lives. Maintaining the freedom is also necessary. We're going to talk about that tonight. So look at the book of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 and look at what it says. This is from the New King James Version. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Notice He's commanding them to stand fast. We've been made free in Jesus, and we've been free indeed. But we also realize there is a need for us to fight to maintain our freedom, just like we do nationally and politically. We thank God for our armed forces. We realize that if we were to let down with our armed forces, we can be overtaken by other countries and nations. But we continue to fight and stand firm. Why? so that we can maintain the freedom that we have so he was writing to these people telling them look you can't go back under the law you can't be deceived by the enemy you want to stay free you want to maintain your freedom then you've got to fight the good fight of faith why because Matthew's gospel chapter 12 look at these verses verse 43 through 45 this is from the the revised standard version when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person it wanders, everybody say wanders, through waterless regions looking for a resting place, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter in, enter and live there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. So will it be also with this evil generation. The enemy is always pursuing the believer, trying to take back the territory that he once had. Notice he said, I will go back to my house. Let me ask you a question. How is your life his house? How is your body his dwelling place? When you gave your heart to Jesus, you came out of the realms of darkness into the light of the kingdom of God, and you left behind all the powers of evil. You were uprooted from the kingdom of darkness and transplanted into the kingdom of God, and the enemy has no hold over your life whatsoever. But you see, he's not satisfied. Even though that has taken place, he will pursue the believer to see to it that he tries to gain control over that person's life once again. Have you ever noticed that? That once you've been saved and you're going along for a certain amount of time, as a born again, spirit-filled, faith-walking, tongue-talking, armor-bearing, love-practicing, devil-resisting, living epistle of the living Christ, known read right of all men, that the enemy comes along at an opportune time to try to pull the reins back on you, to pull you back, to get you under his control? Well, that's his job, and he'll always do it. He wants people to be brought back into slavery so he can control their lives. They're called wandering spirits because that's exactly what they do. They wander. In the, in the places, dry places, looking for people that they can overcome. Well, they have people that are unbelievers right now. People that are not walking with God, not serving, with God, serving God right now. They have them under their control. But you see, you're not under their control. And what they want to do is stop you and stop me from winning others to Christ. They want to silence us by ruining our witness and tarnishing our testimony. And we can't let that happen. We have to always be aware and alert that lurking behind every corner, we know we have opposition that wants to study our lives. Just like wolves will study their prey. You know how wolves operate? study their prey, get around, circle around. They go and pack, circle around. And it may look like they're just nonchalantly walking in the distance, but they are studying the prey and seeing to it that they're coming up with a scheme or a plan or a plot to get a hold of that prey, whatever it might be. That's exactly what the enemy tries to do by looking at our lives, looking at our weaknesses And plotting out and planning out certain things to get us back under his control. Because he knows we're not perfected yet. Well, look in the book of Acts chapter 13 and we'll see that. It's up to the believer to fill his or her life with the word of God, with the spirit of God. And immediately begin serving God with his life. Because he or she wants to stay full of the things of God. We can deplete those things and let them slip if we want to. If we allow it, it will happen. It's up to us to be being filled with the Holy Ghost. It's up to us to continue to fill ourselves with the Word of God through meditation and study. It's up to us, praise God, to stay in prayer and get before the throne of God and just ask Him once again to fill us to overflowing with the fullness of His power, His glory, and His might. Why? Because we're still living in this world where we have enemies all around us once again pursuing us. Chasing us down, wanting to destroy our lives. We know the enemy's tactics. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that. Well, look at Acts chapter 13, verses 40 and 41. Beware thereof, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. This is a reference to something spoken by the prophet Habakkuk. So look at Habakkuk. In chapter 1. This is from the New King James Version 5 through 7. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days. Which you would not believe. Though it were told you. For indeed I am raising up. Now notice the Chaldeans. A bitter and hasty nation. Which marches through the breadth of the earth. To possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves, come from within themselves. So he's talking about the Chaldeans that are going to be raised up to do all these things. Well, Abraham, we know, came out of the Ur of the Chaldees. And we know that Israel came out of Abraham. And we know that when they came out of the early Chaldees, they were to go to the promised land. Raise up a mighty nation that would go into a place, praise God, where God would bless them in every imaginable way. But the Chaldeans were raised up to pursue them. And I want you to see this. This is absolutely unthinkable, unconscionable. The word Chaldea is a baby name. And that baby name means as demons. It means robber. Can you imagine naming your baby Chaldea? It means as demons. It means robbers. He came out of the Ur of the Chaldeans or the land of demons. When you and I were delivered by the hand of God, we came out of the land of darkness, of demons, and demonic powers and influences, and they were to come out and they were to go into the promised land. But did you notice along the way, Israel, every time they journeyed on their journey of life, they always fell back into slavery, fell back into bondage time and time again. And it seems like they couldn't get their head on straight to walk with God the way He wanted them to walk with, with Him and just get all the way to the promised land and it took of course the leadership of Moses to get them there and then, and then Joshua to get them all the way in but what I want us to see is that when they came out they are going in the direction that God wants them to go in but they are being pursued by Chaldeans demonic influences and powers to reel them back in to influence them to do wrong and not to believe God and follow His plan for their lives They're robbers because they go around wandering, trying to find territory that doesn't belong to them. You know the Bible tells us don't give any territory to the devil. Don't be angry and sin not and let the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place territory, topos from the Greek, to the devil. An entry point for the enemy to be able to get in and just say I'm going to pull you back and reel you back in. So it's important that we recognize that even as believers we've come out of some things. And as you serve God, walk with God, you have an enemy called the Chaldeans, demonic influences and powers that are scheming like wolves, studying your life to find out where your weaknesses are to try to pull you back in under their control. And it's up to us to recognize that and realize that, and then start using the tools that He has given us to stand against these opposing forces of darkness. And trust me, it's really unfair. We've got the name of Jesus. What do they have? We've got the blood that was shed for our redemption. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony. And loving not our lives unto death. So in other words praise God. We have nothing to lose whatsoever. And so we stand against these opposing forces of darkness. These Chaldeans. These demon influences. And refuse them. To destroy our lives. To take us under their control. So the Chaldeans which is present-day Iraq. The Chaldeans are like, a; they're compared to like demon influences and powers of darkness. That, yeah, God used them. He used them for judgment on the people of God. Now, they didn't have to fall victim to them, but because they stepped out of line with God, because they broke His covenant, because they didn't walk with God and walk in His ways and keep His commandments, He had no choice but to let them Of course, be overcome by the enemy to bring them back, to reel them back in to serve him and walk with him. Look at the book of Psalms 83. If you are a believer, you realize the enemy is pursuing you. He doesn't want you to succeed, doesn't want you to grow, doesn't want you to develop as a Christian, become strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He doesn't want you to wreak havoc with the kingdom of darkness that he represents He doesn't want you witnessing somebody else and bringing them into the family of God because he wants his way on this earth. And if he can get into your life to destroy it, he'll do it. We're not going to allow it. Somebody say amen to that? We're not going to allow it. In the book of Psalms 83, keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people. You realize that there are enemies out there that we have that are devising crafty counsel against us. For example, you think that the enemy didn't know when, when Bathsheba bathed and David walked on the rooftop, set that thing up in such a way so as to Cause him to fall into sin. Strategizing against our lives. Once again by setting things up. Why? He wants us under his control. Doesn't want us to be effective in carrying out God's plan. They have said come and let us cut, cut them off. From being a nation. That the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Did you get that? This is exactly what their desire is you could see it happening it's unfolding over all the years of their existence this little nation the size of new jersey and yet it's the focal point in all the earth right think about it the hatred directed toward that nation is just unthinkable and but why is it we just read it the enemy wants to destroy it doesn't want it to be a nation didn't want the Messiah to come in through the nation, and now doesn't want it to succeed at all. Look at verse 12, I believe it is. Who said, let us take of ourselves the houses of God in possession. What's he talking about? The houses of God. You're the house of God. I'm the house of God. We are the house of God. We are the houses of God. They wander in these dry places these waste places, and the name means they lay waste to destroy. And they're focusing their attention especially on people that are wreaking havoc with the kingdom of darkness. If you are doing something to promote the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God in the earth, I'm telling you, you are a target for the enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But We're the house, the temple of the most high God, and greater is he who is in us than he that is in this world. And God wants us to rise up to a place that we recognize this opposition, and that we choose to fight the good fight of faith to maintain the freedom that we have in Jesus. When we made Christ our Savior and Lord, we were completely delivered and set free from all the powers of darkness. We are no longer under that jurisdiction We've got power over and authority over all the power of the enemy. Do you realize what that means? Did you ever read anywhere in the Bible, in the Old Testament, where any one prophet, priest, or king had power to cast out a devil or a demon? Did you ever read that anywhere? You ever read where it says Elijah cast out a devil? Elisha cast out a devil? Did you ever see uh, Saul cast out a devil, the king, or David cast out a devil? How come we don't read anybody casting out a devil up until Jesus when he walked upon the earth? It was never seen that even the devils are subject. Remember that? And remember when they cried out, we know who you are. Have you come to torment us before the time? See, up until the time of Jesus, no one was casting out devils. But when Jesus came, he started casting out devils. And they marveled when they saw devils obey him and leave people's bodies. Because no one ever did it before. And now he anoints 70 and these 70 go out and they heal the sick and they cast out devils and they come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And Jesus just says, yeah, like no big deal. I saw Satan fall from heaven from the very beginning. He thought he was a big shot. But, oh, I watched him fall. What a fall it was from the high place that he had all the way down to the earth. Yeah, nothing. No big deal. Nothing to consider. And he said, look, don't rejoice in that. You rejoice that your name's written in heaven. That's what you rejoice in. See, there's cause and effect. And the cause is you now have authority and you now have power To turn around and stand against all the forces of darkness and evil. And refuse to allow them to do what they want in your life. It's time for the church, the body of Christ, the individual believer to rise up and start saying. Enough is enough in Jesus name. Get thee behind me and under my feet where you belong. You will not in any way continue your operation in my life. I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Satan, as I said, has unbelievers. And he's trying to silence believers. But when you know who you are and your authority and what you have in Christ, praise God, you know that you're his masterpiece. You know that you're you're his ambassador, the representative of the highest order here upon this earth. And you've been empowered with the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, dunamis, miracle working power to transact business for him upon the earth. I'll tell you what, that takes you to a higher level of thinking and it opens up a heart full of faith. You know, praise God, that you have the greater one living in you. And no weapon form against you can prosper. I want to show you an example. Look in the book of Daniel chapter 1 of how the enemy works and what he does to promote his kingdom. Because you know what? If you have young people here tonight, listen carefully and intently about what you're about to hear. Because the enemy will work, especially targeting young people. Why? To advance his kingdom and destroy the work of God in the earth. But look in the book of Daniel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. This is from the New King James Version. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. Notice these articles, the articles were of gold. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Notice, first of all, Nebuchadnezzar, Chaldean, part of the demon host, is king here. Remember, he made the 90-foot tall statue of himself that he wanted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down to. What we need to know about the Chaldeans is they are very bright people. And this was what they wanted and desired: wisdom, knowledge, learning, understanding, the elite, those that were quick to learn and understand so they can indoctrinate them and basically brainwash them to advance his kingdom on the earth. And so he selects these that are the brightest of them all. And there's three things that he uses here to advance his kingdom. Because you see, he wants to protect his future kingdom. So to be successful in the future, you need young people to carry on and take on the mantle. And they've got to be bright. They've got to be on board. They've got to be wise and understand things and quick in learning and all that and so on. And so he picks out Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they were bright. They were good looking and they were quick to learn. And there's three areas. Remember, we're taught in 1 John about lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Okay, number one, he takes the gold The gold comes out of the treasury of the Lord. And let's start there and call that. That represents the spirit of a man. Because where the treasure is, the heart is also. He knows he needs the gold. It's like the tithe. He needs money to advance his work, his kingdom upon the earth. We call this the pride of life. You see, it's a prideful thing not to give the support, the work of God. The work of God is the greatest work here upon the earth, and when a man has pride in his own heart, God doesn't have his heart. So he targets the heart, which is the pride of life. Secondly, he uses literature and language, which targets the soul of the individual. Because you see, they were big on learning, education, and understanding, so he targets the soul. This is the lust of the eyes. What you feed on. What you learn. You're learning. They were bright. They were quick to learn. They could easily be taught their language. This is a brainwashing process. That he's trying to impose upon these four Hebrew children. That he selected. Handpicked for himself. And then thirdly. We have food and wine that he used. Appeals to what? The flesh of the individuals. And. And. The lust of the flesh. So we've got the lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. And the pride of life represented here. In all these three things that he uses. To brainwash them. So that they can become. Those that will carry on his work. Well I got news for him. They didn't bend. They didn't bow. They didn't burn. They were so secure in their faith in the God that they served. You can throw them in a lion's Then, You could throw them in a burning fiery furnace. Oh, would to God almighty that we would have young people today that would, that would say, let's not go meet at McDonald's. Let's go meet in a burning fiery furnace and let's watch God set us free. Hallelujah. You talk about an activity. Amen. When the enemy comes and tries To convince them to bow. Oh, absolutely not. We're not even careful to answer you in this matter. You throw us in, God will get us out. That's the bottom line right there, O king, Nebuchadnezzar. You want me not to pray? Open up the window and pray all the louder. Because you see, I serve the living God. Your gods are false gods and false images. I am not going to fall victim to your gods and to your images or whoever you think you are because you built this thing. You're nobody without the living God. And the angel was sent to shut the mouth of the lions. So he could not brainwash them. Beloved, no matter what your age is, don't let the enemy brainwash you into thinking anything but what this word of God teaches that you are and who you are in Christ. You are redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. You are more than a conqueror. You're a world overcomer and it's not based on your performance. It's based on his performance. It's based on what he's done, not on what you did, what you do, or what you will ever do. Get yourself out of the picture. You've been delivered from Satan. You've been delivered from sin. You've been delivered from yourself, praise God it's not about you it's about him you missed the mark get it under the blood instantly just like that and you're cleansed and washed free praise God by the blood of Jesus and pick yourself up and move on and walk with God in a powerful way they would not bend they would not bow they would not burn the Chaldeans also associated with look at this magicians astronomers and sorcerers as well look at Daniel chapter 2 In verse 2 again from the New King James version then the king gave the command to call the magicians the astrologers the sorcerers now notice this and the Chaldeans see we got these Chaldeans these demons these ass demons these robbers these thieves associated with magicians astrologers and sorcerers so they came and stood before the king tell the king his dreams okay Number one, what do magicians do? Is there really magic that they perform? It's a sleight of hand, isn't it? It's distracting you in some way to deceive you into thinking something that's wrong. That's what a magician does. What does a sorcerer do? Calls upon wrong spirits to deceive you. I can't tell you how many believers fall victim to familiar spirits and it's wrong you don't mess with magicians you don't mess with sorcerers and astronomers as well they use what they use the stars and natural events to determine a person's future instead of looking to God so you put this all together and this is what you have you've got these Chaldeans that yield themselves to wrong spirits To distract, to deceive, and to determine what their will is for the individual. And you can see it happening through all the scriptures. You can see as they came out of Egypt. And they saw the miracles, the signs, and the wonders. Isn't it something that the flesh would gravitate towards something else other than what they saw God do? Haven't you often asked yourself this question, how can they stand before the Red Sea and watch it part and walk across on dry ground and ever doubt God about anything ever again, how can they when they saw that, you see it's human nature that's how we are in the flesh, no matter how many signs, how many wonders how many miracles, we're still living in this flesh body that needs to be disciplined, you know what freedom is about it's a journey It's a journey that involves deliverance and discipline. And listen to me carefully. You cannot discipline demons. And you cannot cast out the flesh. will not you love to cast out the flesh once in a while? The flesh must be disciplined and demons must be cast out. We stand against demonic influences and powers... And we discipline, like Paul says, I beat up my flesh daily so I'm not a castaway. Because it will always rise up in opposition to us. So it's important we understand the strategy of the enemy and we're not distracted and not deceived and don't allow them to determine our future. We want our future in the hands of God. In the book of Habakkuk, let's go back there. Look at how. The prophet, by the spirit, views humanity or reveals humanity what it's like. Habakkuk 1:14 and 15. New Living Translation. Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures but have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? It's as if these demonic robbers, thieves, these influences, bait us. They bait us to catch us on the hook, just like fishing, to get us to do what they want to control our lives. And that's how the prophet reveals it. They come together and strategize, put together plots and plans, like Ephesians 6 and verse 11, the wiles of the devil include planning out strategies, plotting out things, planning things in our lives to try to get us hooked into what they want us to do you know how Eve got hooked if you partake of that tree you're going to be godlike she was already godlike didn't even realize it but she got hooked into thinking that God was holding back something from her And this is the strategy of the enemy. And you can see it throughout all the Old Testament, even in the New Testament. You know what, beloved? We have been hooked by Jesus. He has made us fishers of men. And it's up to us to let them know there's something better than what the enemy has for them. God's plan, God's purposes, and God's will is freedom in christ and for freedom christ has set us free look in the book of first peter we have another illustration here peter uses it this way look in, this is the esv version english standard version be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now we know the enemy is as a roaring lion. We know he's an aged lion because he has no teeth. And we know what an aged lion does is has a loud roar because it can't bite. But what it does, it roars loudly so as to scare the prey right into the mouths of the younger lions that are strong and got great teeth. So this lion that's out there roaring against us loudly is trying to put fear into our lives to control us so that we are consumed by what he wants for our lives. But you know what? God's roar is louder than the enemies the lion of the tribe of Judah has shouted victory when he came up out from the grave and he said I am he that lives and was dead but behold I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death hell and the grave it's up to you and up to me to make a decision in our lives Christ has set me free whatever it is that you and I are going through tonight he has already set us free from it rather than listen to the roar of the enemy and become afraid because it's not going to pan out the way we think it should or the way we want it to thinking that you know we're doomed to be like this for the rest of our lives maybe it's a sickness a disease a financial situation a marriage your children whatever it might be you know what Jesus set us free not so that we could go back into bondage and slavery because of the enemy's roar he set us free to give us a voice to proclaim loudly speaking to the mountain of adversity and telling it to go because we know the greater one lives on the inside of us when he says resist in your faith or with your faith. Whatever it might be. Look, the enemy will take people back into drugs, alcohol, pornography, lust, greed, selfishness, fear, worry, anxiety. and The list goes on and on and on. Don't think in your own mind or my own mind that we have power over these things because we don't. But. Praise God, the greater one who lives in us has already empowered us. And in him, we can do all things. In him, we have victory. In him, we reign as kings in life. In him, we speak with authority. In him, we can tell anxiety, stop it. In him, we can say fear, leave. In him, we can say, son, come back to the things of God. Hallelujah. And we can go on and on. Job, line up. Finances, line up. Marriage, line up. The son has set me free. I'm free indeed. He has made you free. And you're free indeed. But you've got Chaldeans chasing you down. Trying to tempt you to do what they want. The Israelites fell victim to it all throughout their history. But you know what? We don't have to. We've got something greater than what they had. And in Christ, he always causes us to triumph. And we have the victory. So it's important. And on Sunday, I want to talk about how we can enforce this victory and maintain our freedom that we have in Christ. Praise God. You believe you can, don't you? Has he made you free? Are you free indeed? Has he given you the victory? Always causing you to triumph. Praise God. Let's all stand together before the Lord.